Kamala Harris has lowered the price that she charges for a photo op. Yes, Kamala, not Kamala, that would be racist. Kamala Harris, you cannot make this stuff up. They have reduced the fee for getting a picture, your picture taken with Kamala, with the vice president. They were charging $15,000, the DNC, the Democrat committee, to take a picture with Kamala. But that was too expensive. People didn't buy. So now they have reduced it to $5,000 a ticket to take a picture with Kamala. Let's see if anybody actually coughs that money. I would think that Kamala would have to pay somebody. I mean, I, I don't want to take a picture with her for free. She'd have to pay, even if she paid me. And what happened to inflation? Everything right now is going up in value. Whatever you want to buy, milk, eggs, gasoline, you want to buy a car, it costs like 10 times as much thanks to thanks to Putin. <laughs> thanks to Putin. Except for a picture with Kamala. Apparently the P- Putin inflation doesn't apply to snapping a picture with Kamala because that has plunged in value. What happened was there were tickets they they were selling tickets to take a photo with Kamala at the women's leadership women's leadership forum they 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 were going for 15,000 but it did not sell enough tickets so they actually postponed that event they postponed it outright and now there's a fundraiser in California where they're charging now only 5,000 instead of 15,000 for snapping a picture with Kamala but you know think about this Hunter Biden if Hunter Biden makes a painting it looks like it was done by an eight-year-old. He throws some paint on a canvas, and that goes for half a million dollars. But Kamala's like begging people, please, please, pay, cough up a couple of bucks to take a picture with the vice president, the VP, the the, the most, the, the biggest embarrassment of any vice president ever. All right, so two big Supreme Court decisions, two big wins in the Supreme Court this week for conservatives, one on guns and one on tuition for yeshivas and private schools. And, of course, we thank President Trump, of course, President Trump gave us three super conservative justices, not like Bush. If it was Jeb Bush, it, we would have had like another John Roberts in, in the in, in the Supreme Court or almost any Republican candidate who would have won other than Trump. They would have been too afraid to appoint somebody like a like a Kavanaugh or a Coney Barrett, you know, who's controversial, who's super conservative, super right wing. Anyway, so let, let, let me just go through this quickly here, these two decisions, the gun, we'll get to the tuition one coming up in a moment in the state of Maine, but uh, and it's going to affect a lot of other states as well. But the gun decision is pretty straightforward. New York State had a rule, New York City, New York State, New York had a rule, you need a concealed carry permit. I believe it's New York State where, yeah, it's New York State where you, you, in order to be able to carry a weapon, even if you own a gun, which is very hard to obtain a gun license in New York, as we'll get to, but even if you own a gun, you're not allowed to carry it. You're not allowed to have. You're not allowed to c- carry a concealed gun, a concealed weapon. You know, walking around with it in a holster or in a in your pocket or somewhere on your body, um, concealed. You're not allowed to do that without a special license. You need to like justify it why you're somehow somebody special. And it's very hard to obtain a concealed carry permit in New York. It's been almost impossible. So that two two men sued the state, and now they've won. And it's essentially very simple. It's the Second Amendment where the conservative justices are saying it was six to three votes. So that means even Roberts, who's not really a conservative, uh, uh, voted, ruled that that New York state has no right to tell you that you're not allowed to, allowed to carry a concealed weapon and you need like special permission. And the reasoning, I believe the, the it was written, the the opinion was written by Clarence Thomas. There are a couple of, of, of concurring opinions, but the, the main opinion written by Clarence Thomas, who essentially said – 
It's the Second Amendment. You have a right to bear arms. You don't need a special license. He said you don't need a special license for free speech. You don't need a special license to exercise any of the other freedoms granted by the Bill of Rights. So what's so special about the Second Amendment that you can't exercise? He's obviously viewing the right to carry around a gun when you leave your house as being included in the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms, which makes a lot of sense. What's the point of having a gun if you can't take the gun wherever you go? You don't just have a freedom of speech in your house. You have the freedom of speech wherever you go. So he's assuming the right to bear arms, and, and not just him, all six justices. Now, this is not really going to impact anybody. Think about this. The, the crime, the, the, the shootings, the murders, the violent crime in New York, right? That's not happening because people, that's the, the people who care about having a license, the concealed carry license, they're not the ones who are committing the crimes. The people committing the crimes are not allowed to be owning a gun. They're already either drug dealers, gangsters, they're already criminals. They're already thugs. So, I mean, once in a blue moon, maybe you'll have somebody who's carrying around their gun, who's a law-abiding citizen, who, a law-abiding citizen who, who, who gets involved in a road rage incident, or you'll have a domestic dispute. Think about this. Two people are fighting in a house, right? The police come to the house, right? One of them may have a gun inside the house because you're allowed to own a gun, have a gun inside your house. It's only walking around with, with, with a concealed weapon. So the, this is the once in a very rare situation where somebody who's a law-abiding citizen, the criminals don't care. That, that's the point. You have Eric Adams. He's having a meltdown over this. Governor Hochul having a meltdown over this. The criminals were committed. They, they should be looking in the mirror. Hochul and Adams, they're the reason that crime is rampant. Crime is already surging out of control. This law was in place. Think about this. This law was in place. The concealed carry permit, the, the Supreme Court just struck it down. It's been in effect in New York City and New York State, uh, uh, one of the worst in the country in terms of the recent surge in violent crime, in shootings, in murders. So because criminals don't care about having a, a permit, there's already so much crime in New York City with this law. This law is not going to do – this Supreme Court ruling – has almost no practical impact in terms of increasing crime. Yet the Democrats are all having a meltdown. Eric Adams said New York City is now going to turn into the Wild West. This is what he said. He said, we're not going to let Supreme Court do this, turn New York City into the Wild West. That's Eric Adams. Are you kidding me, Eric Adams? Don't you really? It is. New York City is the Wild West. There are shootings every day in New York City. There was a police officer shot this week. New York City is the Wild West, except the only difference between New York City and the Wild West is that in the Wild West, the good guys were also allowed to carry guns. But in New York City right now, only the bad guys can carry guns because they don't care about the law. But the good guys actually follow the law, so they don't carry the guns. In the Wild West, Everybody carried guns, including the good guys, for self-defense. So now the Supreme Court is basically evening the playing field and saying that the good guys can also carry the guns. I mean, but like, you, you mean to, t- there's such phonies, the Democrats, because like, in New York City and New York State right now, crime is so, so bad. And that's with this law in place, because criminals don't care about this law. That's the point. Criminals don't care. It's not like the druggie who's going to go and shoot people up. It's not like the subway shooter. Think about the Buffalo shooter. The subway mass shooter, right? They had guns. You think they were allowed to have guns? You think they, 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 you think they had a concealed carry permit? You think the subway shooter had a concealed carry permit? You think the, you think the Buffalo mass shooter had a concealed carry permit? So what are they talking about? They're such phonies and hypocrites. Eric Adams and uh, Hochul, they don't care about, about crime. And yet they're going and lecturing the Supreme Court for basically saying, well, now the good guys are also allowed to, to, to carry a weapon. And by the way, it's called the Constitution. So like all these Democrats who are outraged, like, what are you outraged about? I mean, it is the sec- it's the Second Amendment. I mean, it's 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 an extreme. The other side, the the liberal side, trying to uphold this law, an extremely extremely weak argument, trying to 
squeeze this into the Second Amendment. All right, we'll get to the other Supreme Court ruling shortly. I just want to point out, you know, Joe Biden is blaming Putin. We've told you how absurd it is to blame Putin for inflation because inflation was already skyrocketing. Inflation, there was massive inflation before Putin ever invaded Ukraine. By the way, Putin right now is getting rich because oil prices are so high uh, uh, thanks thanks to Biden and Biden's policies and Biden's sanctions. So Putin is now, he's still selling oil, but he's like selling oil, obviously not the United States, selling oil to China, selling oil to to Iran and other countries. And Putin, actually, the ruble is at a record high. No, 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 no joke, no exaggeration. So Putin's actually getting richer than ever off of this craziness that, that we're living through. But I just want to make a different point here. Biden's blaming everyone under the sun. So put aside the fact that he has no – he's wrong, that he's lying, that the, the, the blame is squarely on Biden's policies. But Biden's blaming the supply chain. You know, he's blaming the greedy oil companies. But let's even assume that he'd be right, OK? Let's even assume that it, it, there's a, there are situations here that are bringing about this massive inflation, right? Trump got blamed for, for COVID. They literally blamed Trump if there's anything under the sun. My point is that – you can't blame, like, the circumstances. If you're the president, like, it's still – the buck stops with you. Like, it's still up to you, even if you're right, that there are – there's always going to be challenges. Like, a president, inflation, supply chain, greedy oil companies, there's always going to be greedy companies. There's always going to be circumstances. That's why the president has such an important job. You think Trump didn't have challenges? Trump had challenges. I'm talking long before COVID. And look at the border. Trump could have just blamed anyone under the sun for the border. The border was a, was a total mess, and it was Congress's fault, and it was Obama's fault. It had nothing to do with Trump. Trump didn't do that. He didn't play the blame game. But my point is that here they go and they blame Trump for a pandemic, for a virus. Like if there's one thing that's totally beyond anybody's control – it's a virus. It was a virus. COVID was a virus. And he didn't even have a vaccine. But that, but, but, but that aside, it's a pandemic. It's a virus. Nothing could be less out of a human being's capacity to control than a virus that's spreading around uncontrollably. And yet they blamed Trump. Remember how they blamed Trump for COVID? I would argue Trump lost. And we're not getting into whether the election was stolen or not, but either way, there were lots of votes for Biden. You know, they couldn't have stolen it if, if it was a landslide for Trump. Well, they probably still could have figured out a way to steal of the Democrats having, having you know, deceased people vote and mail in and all of that. But my point is that Trump got crushed by COVID. You know, people were so angry at him and somehow managed to blame him. And like, that's the ultimate, the ultimate excuse of, well, How do you blame the president? The answer is because people felt – and I'm not defending this or not, but the the double standard here, the hypocrisy where Biden blames everybody else for everything under the sun. By the way, it's not going to work. That strategy is not going to work. People are not buying it. But that's that's the messaging we keep getting from the White House is blame everyone else. And and yet, oh, COVID, that was all – that was all somehow Trump's fault. Um, And now these oil companies, by the way, are telling Biden, they're saying, listen – you know, Biden is actually having a whole dialogue with the oil companies. Biden was like making fun of them for like being sensitive, and they're right. They're saying to Biden, "Listen, you want to you want to see that the table." Biden's pressuring the oil companies to like produce more oil, and the oil companies are like, "Hey, Mr. President, I mean, as a candidate, you told you 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 pledged that you would uh, uh, eliminate fossil fuels, that you would eliminate federal oil drilling. Like you gave us every reason in the world to think you're going to cut into our profits, you're going to increase." Restrictions and regulations. You're not going to give out new leases, new permits, and he did. Biden, he 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 literally followed through. He made it very difficult for these oil companies, and it's like, 
you expect us then to go and drill more? We're going to drill. Like, what do we want to do? Crush into our profits? Like, they drill. as It's an investment. It's speculation. So they're basically telling Biden, like, you can't threaten us. You close down the pipeline. You basically scared all these investors in these oil companies to, to not to drill less oil because otherwise they could literally risk billions of dollars in losses. And if you don't make us some kind of pledge now, some kind of guarantee that we're going to get profits. That's what Trump would do. That's what Trump did with the vaccine companies. They didn't want to all develop vaccines. They said, we're going to invest all this and then it's not going to work and we're going to lose out. And, and, and Trump guaranteed uh, you know, that he'd basically give them billions of dollars um, as long as they just developed a vaccine. All right. Uh, the New York Times had an op-ed. I just want to hear this headline, New York Times op-ed. Why are conspiracy theories flourishing in Trump's America? This is the, the op-ed, New York Times, the title of the op-ed, the headline, Why Conspiracy Theories conspiracy theories Flourish in Trump's America. You cannot make this stuff up. Here's It's not that conspiracy theory. Oh, under Trump, there's all these conspiracy theories. It's not. There are not conspiracy theories. It's that the world went crazy. It's, it, it, it's that literally you say something that, that seems insane, and it's actually the reality we live in because the world – just went totally nuts. So it's like it sounds like a conspiracy theory. Well, you know, there's a pandemic and it almost certainly leaked out of, of the Wuhan lab in China. A virus almost certainly leaked out. And it is even possible that China intentionally developed it and then spread it. Oh, and by the way, the virus was funded through research, which came from Dr. Fauci, who's the guy who's supposed to be fighting the pandemic and solving the pandemic. I, I, are you a conspiracy theorist? I mean, are you crazy? Like you think Dr. Fauci funded a virus and then that virus either leaked out of a lab and and spread and became a global pandemic or maybe China actually intentionally spread the virus. Uh, No, that's actually what happened, believe it or not. In fact, the WHO even admits it. You know, Spygate. Well, Hillary Clinton colluded with a spy who was connected to Russia and he came up with a fake dossier claiming that Trump – colluded with Russia, and then they impeached Trump over it. But the whole thing came, was made up by Hillary, and then she had the FBI spying on Trump. Uh, Even under Trump himself as president, the FBI was still spying on some of Trump's own people while he was president. Now, that sounds a little conspiratorial. No, that's a fact. That's actually old documented fact. And then they impeached Trump based on the fake information that was dug up by Hillary's by Hillary's lawyers. I mean, UFOs. UFOs used to be a lunatic if you believed in UFOs. Now Congress is holding hearings on all the UFO sightings. So that is why, my friends, that is why conspiracy theories are flourishing in Trump's America. All right, so the other big Supreme Court decision this week, it ruling in favor of religious institutions, religious schools, and that is going to include yeshivas as well. And this was a case in Maine, the state of Maine has a law, has a program, government-funded program. Basically, the state of Maine, to put simply, was discriminating against religious families and religious schools and said, we're going to fund private schools with state funding, but we're not going to fund religious schools. And that is clearly religious discrimination, and it's clearly a violation of religious freedom, of the of, of the First uh, First Amendment rights. And uh, and once again, the Supreme Court struck it down. I believe it was another 6-3 decision. Obviously, by the way, we have the big Roe v. Wade case that's still, you know, the ruling. We, we already know about the leaked draft. We don't know if that's the final draft, but that's the assumption. That may happen as soon as Friday sometime, but um, or maybe Monday. But either way, basically the program in Maine is that Maine will fund – your tuition, if let's say, you know, Maine's a pretty rural state. So, they, you know, for all I know, they have more like more cows than people. 
But um, if you live in a place where there is no public school, then they'll pay for your private school. They'll pay for your private school tuition. So if a family lives somewhere and there's no public school close by, where's the, where's the child supposed to go to school? So they'll actually pay. If there's a private school, they'll pay for the private school of your choice, except not a religious school. It has to be non-sectarian. They won't pay. They'll pay for a private school if it's non-religious, but they won't pay for a private school that's a religious school. That includes, I guess, Catholic. It includes yeshivas, obviously. And here's what they're claiming. They have this silly claim, bogus claim. Well, we're trying to replace a public school education. We're trying to replace a public school education, so therefore the school can't be a religious school because that's not a good replacement suitable for public school because that's a religious school. The, pro- the problem is the court, the conservatives on the court, they proved that that was a bogus argument, that, that in fact the private schools that were being funded were nowhere even remotely close to a public school education. There are many, many differences between the private schools and the public schools. I'm not going to get into all the details right now. So once those differences are are, are valid, so then religion – people have freedom of religion, freedom, freedom of worship. It, and um, so that was the ruling. Now, some people think, well, how does this affect vouchers, right? There, there are many, many, many uh, families who want voucher programs where uh, uh, the state will fund – Jewish schools will fund yeshivas uh, – you know, you think about it. I mean, uh, public school funding. You have literally hundreds of millions of dollars spent every year. New York State, New Jersey, New Jersey, uh, other states paying for public school education. But then religious Jewish kids go to yeshivas and go to private schools and they have to pay for that out of their pockets. So we're really paying double because we're paying taxes and then we don't use those taxes in our own schools. And then uh, we have to pay our, our, our private tuition in addition. So a lot of people say, listen, any child that doesn't go to a public school – the uh, the state should contribute toward their their tuition money, and that would be a voucher program, and that would obviously be extremely beneficial. Anyway, this 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 ruling doesn't pave the way for that, I and mean, this ruling doesn't say that a state has to fund uh, has to fund yeshivas, has to fund religious schools. What what was happening here is they were already funding private schools. The state was already funding private schools, but they were saying only only uh, private schools that are non religious, but not public not private schools that are religious, which is religious discrimination essentially. And um, and now they're saying, listen, if you're going to fund, if you you don't have to fund private schools, period. But if you're going to fund private schools, then you have to fund uh, religious al- and non-religious alike. That was the ruling. So that's a that's still a very big win, you know, and maybe paves the way potentially for vouchers. By the way, the the dissent, I believe, was written by Breyer, but the the, the dissenting opinion said something like, well, no, it's not that. They're, yeah, they're not giving religious schools money, but it's not because of the religious school status; it's because of the religious schools. Um, actions, the, the, the religious school's behavior. So in other words, uh, they don't want to fund religious studies. That, that, that was the argument. The argument was because it, this totally um, – it's totally unconstitutional. They're discriminating against religious schools. So the response to that by Breyer was they're not reli- – if I tell you, listen, your religious status, because you're a religious school, I'm not going to fund your tuition, that's discrimination. But if I tell you, listen, um, it's not because of your status. I don't mind the fact that you're religious, but it's because of the activities, the activities of the school. That's the wording in the, in, in the opinion, the, in the dissenting opinion, the activities of the school. We don't want to fund religious activities. Well, you could extend that to anything. It's like, well, I don't want to give this to you because you're Jewish. Well, uh, what do you mean I'm Jewish? That's discrimination. No, it's not because of your status as a Jew. It's because of your activities as a Jew because you're acting like a Jew. Well, like then like you could carry that over to any to, to justify any discrimination. So that uh, actually seemed like a pretty absurd argument to me. Now, there's some who say, well, doesn't this violate the Establishment Clause, you know, the separation of religion and state, that the state cannot establish a religion? And no, it does not. They're not establishing a religion. They're not like – this is not like uh, the state is somehow 
adopting a religion. They're just paying tuition. They're paying. There's a family that wants to use a private school. They're choosing a religious private school, so they're paying the tuition to the family to support the school. The 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 school tuition. I mean that that that's not a violation of the establishment clause at all. Uh, President Trump, you know, uh, the, as we've told you, his track record on endorsements. I mean, when he endorses a candidate, that candidate hits just off the charts. Tr- Trump's um, track record on wins when he endorses candidates, even candidates who are heavy underdogs. It's something like 95% um, uh, rate of, of success, not 95% success rate for Trump when he endorses candidates who end up winning which is like, it's unheard of. I'm telling you, it's unreal for a candidate, for, I'm sorry, a politician, a, a leader of a party, even a, even a former president, to have that kind of clout. Trust me, if Obama endorsed 120 um, congressional candidates, primaries, Democrats, you know, he, including a bunch of underdogs, he, his, his, his success rate would be nowhere near Trump's. Nobody's would. But uh, that's how popular Trump is. That's how influential he is. But I do want to point out that Trump has taken – and Trump's going to take down Liz Cheney, I believe, because she has made him a major enemy. She's leading the January 6th proceedings. I mean these, these, these bogus – these January 6th hearings that the Democrats are holding are so egregious. We may t- touch on that a little bit here coming up, but but um, but either way, Trump took down Mo Brooks. Mo Brooks has been a what, what, what state is he in? Alabama? Um, I, I believe it's Alabama, which I believe where Jeff Sessions was, and and remember Trump took down Jeff Sessions you know, after uh, that whole fiasco with Jeff Sessions becoming Attorney General and then uh, recusing himself from the whole Spygate thing. But um, but Mo Brooks, he wanted to be a senator. He was in a primary to be a senator in Alabama. And what happened was Trump originally – and look, Mo Brooks is a solid conservative. And I'm shocked, I'm stunned that, that Trump took him down. The people in Alabama are clearly more beholden to Trump, the, the Republicans in Alabama, than they are to any other politician because Jeff Sessions was beloved in Alabama. Trump took him down. And um, now Mo Brooks uh, – Trump – originally endorsed Mo Brooks, then he rescinded his endorsement, and it had something to do with the fact, you know, Mo Brooks kind of did not support Trump, even though Mo Brooks believed the election was likely stolen, but he said, listen, January 6th, the Constitution says um, they've chosen Biden, so once that choice is made, you know, Mo Brooks basically told Trump, listen, I can't support your bid. Yes, I agree the election might have been stolen, but the Constitution legally, there is no recourse. That was Mo Brooks's position, whether you agree or disagree, so Trump, of course, Disagreed with that. Trump didn't like that very much. Now, what's interesting is so um, Mo Brooks was beaten by Katie Britt. Katie Britt uh, was the was the primary candidate who defeated Mo Brooks in this uh, Alabama. It was like a runoff, I believe, a runoff election, and she's going to be the candidate for Senate in Alabama. And Mo Brooks thinks that she's very, very leftist and very moderate and thinks she might not win. She might not beat the Democrat in November, the Democrat candidate uh, in, in the in the general election for this for the Senate. But what's interesting is that Trump endorsed her and he won. By the way, Mo Brooks and Trump agree on issues like 99 percent of the time. So Katie Britt, she was she was an underdog as far as I'm concerned. She's well known in Alabama, but um, she was still an underdog. Now, at the same time, Mo Brooks is interesting because Mo Brooks, he was a little bit of an outlier. First of all, he's, he's extremely conservative. I'm sure he's much more conservative than this Katie Britt. Mo Brooks, yeah, um, he was, is one of the most conservative uh, congressmen, House, House members in Congress. And he never, ever 
caved into the to the establishment. But like you know, he, Mitch McConnell didn't like Mo Brooks. Mo Brooks, uh, you know, he got on a lot of people's nerves because he's an anti-establishment candidate, very similar to Trump. But either way, um, big loss there for Mo Brooks. I want to tell you about this story. An aid worker in Gaza was convicted of funneling millions of dollars in aid money to Hamas. And this story is so important, convicted in Israel. But this story is so important because it shows you where when you give this foreign aid, that money gets, as I've said, it flows into the into the, the hands of corrupt leaders, corrupt politicians, corrupt governments. And I know it's Hamas. I know it's Gaza. I get it. But trust me, the same thing happens just in these other countries. You don't have Israel to crack down on it and to and to actually catch it and convict it. You know, so that's what happened over here. You know, that, that Israel actually arrested them, caught them, and um, exposed this. Whereas, like when you give money to Venezuela or Guatemala or Ukraine, for that matter, or any of these other countries, it just ends up in the hands of the corrupt government or the or the cartels, and there's nobody around to stop it. That's the only difference, as far as I'm concerned. But basically, there was a nonprofit foundation. It was a non-Muslim. What happened is you have this this Muslim in Gaza who was in charge of a nonprofit foundation. A, a, a non-Muslim nonprofit foundation, but what happened is Hamas. This happened in like 2005-06. Hamas planted this operative in the nonprofit, and that would give him control of millions of dollars. And then he funneled that money off to Hamas, and I'm sure he got a nice chunk of it himself. This is Mohammed El Halabi, this Gazan aid worker, um, convicted of transferring millions of dollars in funds to the Hamas terror group. Uh, he worked at World Vision. World Vision was a highly respected, non-Muslim, non-Jewish humanitarian organization that operates around the world. And uh, Hamas planted this operative. Now, why would you let Mohammed El Halabi, a Gazan aid worker, why would you let him be in charge of the the Gaza wing of your organization, World Vision? I mean, it's absurd. But this is what I'm telling you. They give money to Central America. All this aid money, somehow the kickbacks end up back in a lot of the politicians' pockets in America, but uh, the, the corrupt governments, they go and they funnel this money. In this, in this particular situation, he happened to be caught. All right, big cyber attack by Iran against Israel. And I, and I want to mention this because it shows a vulnerability. Obviously, it's a big story, but not a lot has been reported about this. But what happened is this is a cyber attack. So hackers, Iranian hackers. Now, I don't think this is necessarily a bad sign in the sense of, well, does that mean that Israel is vulnerable to Iranian hackers? Yes and no, as I'm going to explain. But what happened was air raid sirens. This is maybe this past Sunday, several days ago, air raid sirens in multiple cities in Israel were blaring and it was not real. It was not a real air raid, but the air raid sirens went off. This could obviously be very dangerous because when air raid sirens go off, you know, people they, they they start running, they start panicking. Uh, sometimes maybe they're in their cars and they start to drive quickly, and people can get hurt. I mean, this could be very very dangerous. Not to mention, it makes people vulnerable. Let's say Iran. Let's say somebody wanted to carry out an attack, right? So if there's a frenzy, if there's a, if there's a mass panic because of air raid sirens, that means you know it'd be easier for like an attacker to kind of swoop in and carry out some kind of attack because people are already kind of on the move and on the run and weak and vulnerable, and and their defenses are down. But sirens were blaring in like five cities in Israel. The Iranians claim that that sent 30,000 Israelis were running to bomb shelters. 30,000 Israelis running to bomb shelters thanks to fake sirens that were blaring as a result of Iranian hackers. So here's a quote from Taznim. Taznim is the Iranian news website. Quote, since Sunday night in five large Zionist cities, that's the term they use, 
Sirens sounded for 50 minutes. In one city alone, 30,000 people entered shelters. They're claiming 30,000 people. Now, obviously, that's Iranian propaganda. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, I'm just reporting what they said. But it, it could have been thousands. Quote, the Zionists run to the shelters every time in the illusion that Iran or other opposition groups are attempting to fire a missile. Other than occupied Jerusalem, sirens sounded in additional cities, including a lot Cholon, Ashkelon, and Ashdod, and obviously they said the word occupied, so I'm quoting that because that's what this Iranian news site said. Obviously, I don't believe that. Obviously, that's absurd. But here's the thing. It seems dangerous to me that the Iranian hackers were able to do this and get, get into tap into Israel's air raid siren system, but it seems that the reason in that you say, but is, aren't the Israelis, aren't there, you know, isn't there cyber security and their defense against cyber attacks, isn't it like the best on the planet? And it's interesting. It appears, from what I understand, I'm not clear on this, but it appears that there are some things that civilian um, security experts are in charge of. In other words, there's military cybersecurity and then there's civilian cybersecurity. So like any military threat, you know, let's say um, Israel's you know, nuclear program or Israel's military or, you know, Israel's military facilities or weapons facilities or any of those things. Right. Or the or the IDF, the army, the Israeli army. Th- that's all. Um, or for that matter, the you know the Israeli security agencies, the Shin Bed and the Mossad, those are all protected with with using military and defense cyber experts. So apparently that's like state of the art. But this apparently the air raid sirens are run by the civilian. I, I don't know why, because you would think that it's also military, but it's run by civilian cybersecurity experts, and that's not nearly as effective. That's what I read. So that may be accurate. Hopefully that's the case, and then hopefully they'll realize it's time to make the air raid sirens. Um, protected by the military side of things and not the civilian side of things. Meanwhile, the UN says that Iran has the material that it needs to develop a nuclear weapon now. And this is a bombshell, but nobody is reporting on this, of course, you know, because they're too busy with Biden inflation and, uh, you know, everything going on domestically and, and, and Putin and Ukraine. But, and the January 6th hearings, right? They're so busy with the January 6th hearing. The media is obsessed over that. The nonsense bogus hearings that um, they don't have time to tell us that Iran has all the materials needed. According to the UN, this is not like an Israeli assessment. This is like it's not even a a State Department. The the UN says that Iran has the materials it needs. It can develop a nuclear weapon today. The IAEA Board of Governors condemned Iran for failing to explain why uranium traces were found at sites that Iran did not disclose right by the by the nuclear at the, when the nuclear deal was signed under Obama the bogus Iran nuclear deal that uh, they had to disclose all their nuclear sites and yet there we we've told you about this the Mossad and thanks to the Mossad we were aware of this because the UN inspectors are are totally totally incompetent they're not just incompetent they're corrupt they have no interest in exposing Iran or cover, or discovering anything on their own so you got to rely on Israel and the Mossad and and sure enough they found uranium traces at factories that the Iranians claim, no, this is just a civilian factory. Yeah, it's like when they say that their nuclear program is just for peaceful purposes. They just want nuclear energy, right? I mean, people people in Iran can't buy medicine. They can't buy basic food supplies and uh, basic fuel. And uh, but, they, but but nuclear energy, right? They're so modernized. Anyway, so um, but but the UN does say that they are weeks away from a nuclear bomb, which is obviously terrifying. Meanwhile. CNN's and by the way, the Israeli government is in turmoil. Maybe we'll have to spend time on that uh, on that whole story at one at some point. But they, of course, the Israelis it looks like are going to have new elections yet again. So fifth round of elections in three years in Israel, which is 
pretty wild. But uh, that's even more frightening because then who's running? Who's running the show? Like who's running the Israeli government? You have Yair Lapid about to take over as prime minister. What does he know about being prime minister? Nothing. And uh, you have this Iranian threat. So that is a little bit concerning. But CNN says that the Israelis are not carrying out. I'm sorry. The Israelis are not alerting Biden in the United States. The Israelis are basically shutting out um, Biden and the U.S. In other words, CNN reports. This is interesting that that Israel is carrying out covert attacks against Iran. We keep hearing about these mystery explosions, right, in these nuclear facilities. We keep hearing about these nuclear scientists being assassinated and these uh, IRGC leaders and terrorists being assassinated uh, mysteriously or falling off of roofs by mistake, right, mistake. So anyway, the Israelis are not alerting. They're not telling Biden. They're basically not sharing this information with Biden because – they don't think that Biden has any kind of plan for dealing with Iran. They believe Biden is strengthening Iran with these nuclear talks that are going nowhere. Meanwhile, the Iranians are breaching every part of the nuclear deal. They're literally this close to a nuclear weapon, and Biden is just sitting there. He has no clue what's going on, but even his own people. I mean, they are just letting the Iranians walk all over them, make a mockery of them with these bogus talks. And um, and the Iranians, they're just, they're just making fun of all of us as they laugh their way all the way to a, to a nuclear weapon. So according to CNN, the Israelis said enough is enough. We're just going to deal with this ourselves. We're just going to sabotage it ourselves, their, their nuclear program and their scientists, and just keep assassinating them. We're not going to bother to even let Biden know because, uh, you know, the, Biden doesn't care. Biden's not doing a thing. He's, he, he's not Trump. All right. Uh, we, we got to talk about January 6th, but hopefully that'll be next time. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.